City Schools. This is Sid. And this is Al. And we're here for Al, Al and Sid's Technology Adventure. Um, it's been a, what, probably a week or two? Yeah, we, we're, we're on a roll now. Yeah, I think we had, uh, this is our third podcast in a row in, in three weeks. Yeah. So we're doing great. pretty good for us. We got a, a really good guest today. This Important. is probably my, my favorite guest ever. Yeah. Because he's, uh, he, he just means so much to us. It's our first, second time guest, right? He's the first time we ever had yeah. someone actually come back on the show. Uh, we're excited about that. He's got some lot of good information for us today. You're going to, I promise you, you will get great information. And those of you that are listening, you will enjoy this podcast. I guarantee it. Hopefully, we get this one out to other people, too, not just in our district, because we've got a lot of, a lot of folks that are probably want to know about this information. Yeah, it is a serious topic. We're going to yeah. talk a little bit about the... Uh, our pension plan and some of the legislation that's it's going to be a part of us and, and of course today we have our, uh, our our true leader Mr. Gary Fields is back with us and uh, certainly welcome Mr. Fields thank you for taking your time to uh, to share with us so uh, we're excited to hear what you have to say about technology but also about our pension and the budget I know you've been working hard on that. Well, I'm just, I'm excited to be here with live audience. You heard them clapping. <laughs> so I appreciate that. We, 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 we hold nothing we've, back here. Yeah, we've improved. Uh, we've gotten a sponsor now. So yeah, we've I, don't, I don't know if you know about that, but we have a sponsor. Yeah. Uh, First Southern National Bank uh, is providing us with, uh, with the, the tools that we need to make this podcast happen. And uh, certainly thankful for them. So we're ready to jump in some questions. Yeah, let's I talk think about some I think stuff. most people know Mr. Fields. I think my first question: um, I've been in this district now twelve years, and I think you know you and I have uh, been colleagues, and I think friends, and uh, I've really enjoyed working for you. But but I am curious to know: uh, Joe Tinius was the previous superintendent, and uh, you know everybody loved him. So talk about how that transition from Joe Tinius's tenure here. And now the things that you're doing. Well, I think uh, it, it was, I think, a pretty smooth tra- transition just because uh, I'd been in the district uh, for so long it, as a teacher and elementary principal and high school principal. So, um, you know, being a one high school district and uh, everything focusing, you know, K-12, but, you know, ultimately every kid coming to the high school, it, it allowed me to be a part of uh, a lot of decision making, a lot of uh, district planning facilities planning, uh, budget planning, all those things. So I think between uh, Dr. Settle and, and before Joe and then Joe, uh, they gave me a lot of opportunities to kind of prepare for this opportunity to lead the entire district. So I think that uh, that, that uh, was, was really exciting. I think, you know, I think one of the big changes, though, for I think everyone down here probably at Central Office is I'd been in the school for in the last 20 plus years, uh, been a principal for the previous 16 years. So, you know, when I came down here, um, you know, I was used to how a school functioned, how a, um, uh, used to a lot more noise. <laughs> so I, I, it was very quiet. So they could tell when I started getting antsy about uh, a little too quiet occasionally. Some days I just have to crank up the radio in here just to <laughs> put some noise in the background. So. Um, so I think that's been probably the biggest adjustment. Just you know, used to being in the in the action of a school every day, and here it's it's an office setting. So I think 
I've brought them along to enjoy some of the action of a school. <laughs> and you are out in the you are out in the schools a lot. I know my job is I get to go to the schools. Uh, one thing uh, I do know from my position, the transitions it seems to be quite smooth. And you know I, I know you you and Joe were good friends and worked together closely. One thing I was amazed, um, and you're always in the schools and you're always working. And I know your personality; you always want to help and you want to do. But a teacher the other day said. I don't know Mr. Fields very well. And I'm like, now wait a minute. That's not what Mr. Fields wants. She wasn't she wasn't saying anything bad or anything, but speak speak to that and what what you want your teachers and staff to know about you. Right. Well, I think it's um, you know, I think every time I have an opportunity to interact with a staff member, someone who's been here a long time that I've known personally for a long time or someone who's brand new, um, you know, I think you know, trying to help our especially our newer staff to the district and new to the profession understand that, you know, superintendent's a title, but that's not who I am. Uh, so I think that, I think people come from other places where maybe bigger districts or just like people operate a little differently. Uh, and I want people to, you know, to know me as Gary, uh, to feel free to, you know, text me, call me, you know, when I'm walking through a building and say, hey, here's something really cool going on I want to show you. Or also to say, hey, you know, you know, I think we need to look at changing something or we have a problem with something. Um, you know, I think hopefully I have that relationship as well with parents. You know, I, I know so many parents, but once again, just being in the district for over 20 years now. So, you know, I think that, I think sometimes I notice it from new employees, especially it's a little intimidating because it's the superintendent. And uh, I think that I, my goal is to help people get over that, that look, I'm, I'm just there to help most times. Um, I want to do it, make their job easier help them help kids. So I think that uh, I have to continue to strive to get people to feel comfortable with me. Well, then that's why I brought that up, because when the teacher said that, I was like, that is not, Mr. Fields does not want you to say, I don't know him very well. So anyway, I thought I'd give you a chance to to share that. So if you're listening, <laughs> if you see Mr. Fields in your hallway, stop and talk to him. So talk about some things that you are really excited about. I mean, you've been, what year is this that you've been? Just year three. So year three. It's hard to talk about some of the, some things that you're really excited about that you've really been trying to uh, get implemented since you've been on the job. Well, I think, you know, related to, you know, your, your all's podcast, uh, to really um, utilize technology to help our kids learn in, in the most effective way. So, um, you know, I think that, you know, we've been really working hard. Uh, every time I go in a... a the live audience is back. <laughs> they're a little uh, late. They're a little delayed. They're, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're on their phones. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, I think that if you go into any of our buildings uh, in, in just the change in the last three years, especially the last five or six years, um, to see how kids are utilizing technology to collaborate. Um, I just heard this from a parent the other day of uh, kids working in an elementary uh, classroom, fourth or fifth graders, and how... They collaborate on projects together, on papers, on how they communicate with their teachers. You know, I think it's just um, it, it's the new kind of workflow and in, in work and learning environment for our kids. And so, uh, you know, we're, we have half the high school one to one. Two more years, we'll be you know totally one to one at the high school. Uh, I see uh, Chromebook carts flying around elementary schools. Uh, they're they're very very uh, uh, valuable. Uh, teachers really want them. And the kids want them, you know. And then the move to touchscreen uh, Chromebooks has been powerful. Basically, a, 
a, a tricked out uh, iPad to me. Uh, you know, kids kids want to touch it, but they want the functionality of of a Chromebook to have uh, access to Google Suites and, and and things like that. So I think that's been really good. I think our the way our schools are communicating. I think we had a, a, a excellent training this summer with Heather Worrell and um, in. Our schools are really creating dashboards for not just staff but for parents. Um, there's there's no reason that no anyone in our district doesn't know what's going on, uh, and they can't be informed. So I, when I have people say I didn't know about that, I said, well, you know, that's a conscious effort or decision by you to not be informed because we're we are trying to be as transparent as possible. And I think that's the other thing it's done. It's made made us more transparent budget-wise and, and financially, which is, I think, very important for the not just the public, but for our staff who then relays a lot of that information to the public, uh, being very transparent to parents and students about uh, what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah. we got a new school being built. Getting so, ready to break ground, uh, you know, day after graduation, we'll be uh, uh, moving dirt, uh, moving utilities this is the first project at the high school. We're going to build about... Um, including if the kitchen uh, makes about 99,000 square feet of, of classroom space. Um, I think the important thing for the community to know is, first of all, they, they were very uh, generous in allowing us to, to add the nickel tax uh, for construction projects, uh, but uh, also that all this initial construction is going towards academics at the high school. Uh, we need new uh, science labs desperately to really teach our kids uh, in state-of-the-art learning environments. Those science labs are, have been really changed since the school's been built in the early yeah. 70s. Yeah, right? so, I mean, if you were, went to Bowling Green High in 1971, 72, that science lab looks exactly the same. Um, and so uh, a chance to build a classroom space for the Medical Arts Academy, uh, which, is, which is already making an impact on student lives and, and will continue to do so with new learning space. Uh, to give the, uh, the lead academy, the freshman academy, which has been such a powerful uh, tool for us to really get kids uh, uh, comfortable in the high school setting, to give them their own space. Uh, so I think that uh, long term, this this initial phase one of construction is going to really make a difference. You know, almost twenty five million dollars in, in investment by the district and the community uh, in this project. So really excited about uh, those opportunities. Well, um, so. Did you want to ask him about some of the other things he's doing with technology so personally there? Well, I know, uh, yeah, I think uh, talking about workflow and how yeah. things change, uh, seems like there was uh, some students that have even shared documents with you individually. Is that true? <laughs> yes. So, you know, we, we think of, uh, you know, we're trying to create problem solvers. Uh, <laughs> and uh, how, what do you do? Uh, what do you do with technology if it, if it, you know, it's if it's not just easy to pick, you know, to double click something and, and start using it. Uh, so um, uh, my son is a fifth grader. He doesn't have access to email at school. Doesn't have access to a phone or a text message or anything like that. So he needed twenty dollars the other day for a field trip, and so he forgot, uh, as usual, to ask for it. So uh, what was his way to get a hold of mom or dad? Well, he didn't want to ask the teacher, uh, you know, uh, because he had forgotten. So he uh, opened a Google Doc and uh, <laughs> shared it with me and said, Dad, I need $20 ASAP. We're going on a field trip. And uh, so I get a notification in my email. I uh, was able to get a hold of my wife, who was a little closer to school than I was at the time. Uh, and, he, and he got his $20, $20 uh, just in time to head off to the, to the field trip. But it, but it did show me that, you know, 
kids can figure out, uh, you know, if we just give them the tools. And, and I think that's the other important thing is we give them a lot of different tools. We don't tell them how to, what's the best way to do it. Uh, that's not what technology, I think, is meant for. It's, it's figure it out. What works for you? And so, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, if we... If you're diagramming a sentence in English class in high school, or you're learning how to work an equation um, with technology, there's you know hundreds of different ways to accomplish the same thing. Uh, so we need to teach kids not how to do it, but how to use it, and then figure out what they need to accomplish. So I think that's a that's a real uh, learning curve for staff and students. Well, it is a challenge for our staff in particular because, you know, you and I are about the same age, and you and I sat in the classroom just the same. We were in rows. We had our workbooks and our textbooks, and that's not the world we live in anymore. But our teachers grew up in that. So, you know, even me, I promote technology. I've never taught in a classroom with all Chromebooks in my room. So, you know, we're I'm out there working as hard as we can to change change that mindset and you know and I think we're doing a good job one one shout out um, you know to Gary early on uh, we started peddling these Chromebooks and you know I remember us coming to Gary and saying man you gotta see this Chromebook and this these Google tools and you know he grabbed it and he said you know what let's get a Chromebook for every teacher in the high school and quite honestly I think that's what helped catapult those teachers, they just had to get it, and they had to figure it out, and they had to do things. Right. And I think that's the important thing. I think it's, it's as simple as, think of this, if you, if you have a, a Chromebook or anything with a, with a trackpad that you use your fingers to scroll, a MacBook, um, when I go down a page, I like to swipe down with my two fingers. That makes sense to me. My kids, it's the opposite way. They, when they scroll down, the page goes up. It's, it's a, but it doesn't, but it's what makes sense for you. So I always tell them, you're, I always tell them, and they, I've said before, you're doing it the wrong way, and they go, Dad, there isn't a wrong way. <laughs> and uh, that's the point. Yeah. And so I think if we get to that, if ever get to that stage with our teachers and parents and students, then I think we're winning with technology. Well, and I'll also say, you know, the, the implementation of technology in our district has exploded in the last two years uh, since Mr. Fields took on because he's a he's a he's a technology user. He he understands. You know he's doing faculty meetings, agendas, and docs, and he's he's pushing us as uh, not just level one Google certified, but yeah. level two. Mr. Browning, are you level two certified? See, I'm I'm not even you're level, uh, you're not even level oh, one. I'm not even level one. Well, so your your boss is level two certified, <laughs> and you this might be the Al and. Gary show. Yeah, sure. Oh yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think you'd get tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so it, it it it's just been really good that, you know, no joke that you've kind of led in this direction and, and I think this ship is going down the road. As you know, we're we're migrating to Gmail very soon. And um, our district is one of the districts moving to Gmail of the thirty districts in our region, twenty eight of them are doing that. And I don't know who's gonna listen, but our district has been preaching the Google Ads for Education since 2013, and so we're and uh, our old buddy Lee Jordan used to make <laughs> several people mad at the at the KDE level, and now uh, old Lee's retired and and he'll be smiling. But I think we have some more serious questions that yeah. we want to try to get to. Well, you know, I was just 
I think the last time we had mm-hmm. Mr. Fields on, I was asking him about like um, budget. You know, what would we be able to have? Would we be able to achieve one to one for the entire district? And now, you know, this kind of shifting gears. What we're going to talk to him about next? We've got a lot of budget concerns overall in the entire state. So it seems that I've answered my own question. <laughs> I don't think we'll be getting one to one the entire district, but uh, we just want to. You know, we appreciate. First of all, you guys have been so transparent, you and, and Ms. McCoy, about everything that's been going on in, in, um, in the state level, and um, you've been giving us, providing us information to all of our staff members. But, you know, sometimes, you know, and I know that when they get the uh, email that's to entire staff, maybe not everyone reads it, or maybe they don't have time to read it. So we wanted to kind of set you down and ask you some questions about um, what's going on at the state level, and maybe see if you can kind of speak to some highlights of of Senate Bill 1, you know, so we can kind of let these, these uh, our staff kind of know what's going on. So if you don't mind, just kind of give us some highlights of what you, you could tell us. Well, let me talk, you know, there's a couple things. First of all, I think the, the budget bill is, we have the pension issue and then we have the budget issue. Right. So if we talk first about the budget issue, um, you know, the governor proposed a budget, which was, which was uh, um, very, very uh, lean, uh, and, and the state is struggling with, uh, Finding increased revenues to pay to pay the bills, just like any family does, is costs go up. Uh, if you don't get a raise, if you don't bring in more money, you know you have to make cuts to, to make uh, to make the the monthly uh, mortgage payment, et cetera. So, our our state has not addressed the revenue issue for a number of years. So we are we are operating on about basically the same amount of money with with more expenses. And when you say the revenue, you're talking about the money that we bring into the state. For this funding, which could right be the the state that you know gets it through tax you know taxes you know income tax sales tax all these different ways uh, that uh, the, the state uh, increases revenue. So the governor's budget uh, basically was going to you know basically hit us about uh, 1.3 1.4 million dollars in cuts, uh, about 700 thousand dollars in transportation cuts, um, which uh, you know. Uh, People don't realize, you know, just in our district alone, we drive over 1,100 miles a day bus routes. Uh, and we're a small district. Think of a big county district. 1,100 miles in one day? In one day, every wow. day. So um, uh, that cut of 700,000 uh, is, is critical because we're, you know, we have to transport students. Uh, we have to get them to school, et cetera. Another 160,000 or so in textbook and professional development, uh, an increase in employee health insurance costs, about 300,000. So you know, roughly 1.3 to $1.4 million that we have to find where that money is. So what happens is either we have to cut expenses uh, or we have to rely on local taxpayers to, to cover that cost. And that's what's happened over the last decade or so. Local taxpayers have assumed more costs of uh, public education. Uh, and so that has caused all districts around the state to continue to, to raise taxes uh, to, to make those budget. In addition, uh, we have a, a pension issue that uh, we have CERS, which covers all of our classified employees, and we uh, were informed uh, about uh, nine months ago that that uh, rate would go up about 50% of our contribution to CERS retirement system, which is about $560,000. Uh, so we're, we're already to $2 million in added costs for next year if the governor's budget is approved. Uh, and so where does that money come from? Well, that money comes from... Uh, either cutting programs, about 82% of our budget is personnel. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
so, you know, the other 18% or so is difficult to cut. You know, there's some pennies to save here and there. But basically, it comes down to people. Well, this is a people business. Uh, when we have programs for kids, uh, be it uh, the arts, be it, uh, uh, you know, classroom inst- instructional te- teachers in the classroom, uh, all the different programs we have, you know, it's people. Yeah. So um, that's those kind of draconian cuts are going to lead us to cut people. Uh, we, we've approved a, a, an allocation to schools right now that uh, causes us to eliminate eight teachers across the district for next school year. Uh, if this gov- And that's with some um, compromise with the governor's budget. If the governor's budget would pass, uh, that number could have to go up to as high as 27 teachers to, to meet the $2 million threshold. So... Um, that's the that's the fear. Uh, so, you, so right now, best case scenario, we're going to lose eight eight teachers, teachers across the, the district. district. Is um, that certified teachers? Certified teachers. Certified teachers. That doesn't even include the changes we're going to have to make with classified employees because we know that with their increase in uh, CERS contributions, their pension contribution, uh, that basically the fringes for a classified employee, which would be an instructional assistant, secretary custodian, bus driver, cafeteria worker. Basically, um, their benefits package, including insurance, uh, pension contribution, all the, all the other things we have to do, uh, is, is, is inching towards basically 100% of their salary. So, you know, we're not, you know, my goal as superintendent would be to pay our classified employees especially more money. Um, that's um, an issue that I think our board is very aware of, but the problem is they keep uh, increasing the fringes, uh, like the pension that the state is is passing down to us that makes it impossible to give a raise. So uh, it's been really difficult. So then you transition over to the pension issue, and the pension issue uh, really, really impacts uh, not just current employees, but future employees. For current teachers, uh, the, the compromise from Senate Bill 1 that's come out is that Really, the big change for current teachers uh, will be that uh, they will cap sick days that can be uh, used towards retirement at the end of this year. Um, you know, the issue, the issue there is that um, if teachers, if all staff start using their sick days during a school year, we only have kids in class 175 days a year, um, that's lost instructional time. That's an added expense for the district. Um, so we lose any incentive for employees to... Um, to not take sick days as they move forward. Because as I've circulated around the district and even teachers that aren't in our district, I've heard that often, you know, well, what incentive do I have? I mean, obviously, most most of our teachers care about students and they want to be there and they want to support them, but at the same time, um, they may be taking their sick days more regularly instead of coming to school sick. And so what will our district do as that happens, and how will that affect us? Well, it makes it tough. We're, we're already struggling to have enough substitute teachers in the district. Uh, it's an added expense uh, because we have to pay the substitute teacher to come in the building. So I think that's a, that's a real concern for us. Um, you know, I think for current employees uh, with less than 20 years, the Senate Bill 1 is very, very difficult. It uh, basically is, is going to require them to work more years uh, than they had probably planned uh, when they started in the profession. Um, and I think that, you know, all the changes are, it would be like uh, playing, a, playing a basketball game or, or 
recording this the day of the championship regional game, but it'd be like in the, at halftime, the officials coming out and saying, okay, we're only going to give two points for any shot behind the line. <laughs> and, we, you know, we're going to, you know, say that everybody has – pretty good at that. You know, yeah. Everybody has four fouls starting the second half, so everybody, whoever gets a foul, is going to be fouled out of the game. And in essence, that's what's happened to current employees. And so I think that's uh, the, the, the shared responsibility plan that uh, the Superintendents Association and others have put forward um, re- does a better job of protecting current employees who the state has made a commitment to. So it shouldn't be arbitrary. You know, the person sitting there with 19 and a half years shouldn't be treated pers- treated differently as the person with 20 and a half years. That makes no sense to me. That's not fair because you started, you know, basically a year later than the person in front of you. So I think I think those issues are really important. I think uh, you before know, you go off that topic, you you brought up the superintendent advisory it, council. Is that it, no? It's it's the the, the state uh, Kentucky Association of School Superintendents. Okay, so how does that work? Because I know the superintendents have collectively shared information with the with the legislators, is that correct? Correct, and, and we have a group, uh, Tom Shelton heads the KSS and is a former superintendent, does a great job, and he's, he's put himself out there. He's taken some, some uh, arrows from the, from the crowd, from legislators who aren't happy uh, with our advocacy, but, um, and I think the whole process has put superintendents in a little different role. Uh, we have traditionally uh, been uh, apolitical in the sense of we have not gotten the political side of it. Right. I think uh, some of the comments from from our governor, uh, some of the uh, proposals put forward have, have forced us to be more political um, because I think we have to, in our role, we have to be the voice for uh, teachers, bus drivers, cafeteria workers, students, and parents in every community. And it's not fair to make a teacher step out there and do that because uh, what happens is, and I think it's a pretty toxic political environment, is people come back at them pretty hard. And that's not a role that teachers, teachers want to be in. Uh, teachers are uh, mediators. They are compromisers. That's the world they live in with students every day. So I think it's been important for superintendents to step up and say, we're going to be the voice for, for all of our employees. Well, on behalf of most of the staff, we, you know, we appreciate that because mm-hmm. I think you're exactly right. We... We're, we want to help the kids. We got in this business because we didn't want to fight tons of battles. We just want to help kids. We want to try to make a difference. And so when you ask us to fight, it's really hard for us to turn that switch and become fighters. You know, I, I was a socialist teacher, so I know about the fight. But, you know, we have a lot of, a lot of teachers that, you know, that's just not... Well, it, it, it's, it's, you know, we want teachers, when an angry parent comes in about something that's happened with their child, we want a teacher to be a, a <laughs> listener, mm-hmm. to be a, you know, to empathize and, and to, to, to make that parent feel comfortable that we're making great decisions on behalf of their kid. We don't want that teacher to be out there picking fights, <laughs> you know, with parents or with the community. So as superintendents, we've had to take that role on. Uh, it's not one that we're, we relish and want to stay in very long, but I think this is we're at a critical point. So, so specifically, you guys meet as superintendents, and then Tom Shelton is your representative, and then he does he talk to the governor or does he talk to? Yeah, he's, the he meets with the governor. He meets with the legislators. He's so in, he's in a room with the governor. Right. Telling he us is our he is our voice. He is our voice on a, on a right. on a daily basis, and so. 
Um, I think that's that's critical because there's yeah. a lot of other groups that have voices up there. There's groups that uh, want um, we we haven't talked yet about, but of what do we do with new employees? There's there's groups up there who are pushing for a 401k type retirement system. Well, some of those groups are pushing that because they represent industry that provides 401k type you know services and investment and things like that. So we have to be a voice as well. You know, we are struggling to find teachers. We have six student teachers scheduled for next fall in this district. Four elementary, I think one one high school, and uh, one as a as a special area, maybe art or music. Um, and 15 years ago, we would have had what? We would, would have had 20, 25. You know, uh, Western Kentucky in the last 10 years has seen a 35% decrease in the number of students who are enrolled in the in the uh, College of Higher Ed or College of Ed uh, department wanting to be teachers. Um, we pay a new teacher approximately $36,000 when they walk out the door. In take-home pay, after uh, all of their uh, different things are taken out, health insurance, et cetera, as well as every teacher in the state of Kentucky puts 12.855% of their paycheck in the pension and, and have no access to Social Security as teachers, uh, a teacher takes home about twenty-one grand. Uh, Twenty-one grand after going to four years of college, uh, or four and a half years, however long it takes, uh, sitting there with forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars in student loans, which is basically the norm now because higher ed has become very expensive. You know, wh- what are they? What are they supposed to do? I mean, they, they have uh, no access to, um, you know, basically, you know, developing, uh, you know. Everybody like to maybe have a car as a, as a beginning teacher. That's that's reasonable that they could afford a car with twenty one thousand student loan debts. You know, eight hundred bucks of rent, thousand bucks of rent uh, a month for rent. You know, all the other expenses. You know, how, how do you make that work? So it's difficult. Then I think the other thing that's important is thirty six thousand to start with. A teacher that has thirty years in our district, uh, rank one is going to make about fifty three fifty four thousand dollars. So you know. That's not a big spread uh, in salary. Most people, when they go into a job, you know, if you stay for 30 or 40 years, your spread's going to be bigger than that. Um, you know, so, you know, a teacher can start the profession making 36000 and they're going to know about how much they're going to make when they get done. Uh, and so the idea that uh, through a pension system that people are becoming, you know, having this cushy retirement, et cetera, is just not a reality. Um, many of our te- many teachers retire. About the average uh, uh, pension benefit is about three thousand dollars a month, month, which is thirty six thousand a year for someone who's 60, 65 years old. Um, you know, it, yeah, if they made, if they were very successful um, throughout their their life and they were able to pay off their home and not have expenses, uh, then you know that's that's you know they they, they can live on that. But, the but they're average, not going to be, they're not taking trips to the Bahamas. They're not, uh, you know, living the high life that uh, some, some have made it sound like. Um, but for a lot of them, if they have been a teacher all their career, they probably still have a mortgage on their home. Mm-hmm. They probably still have bills that they still owe. If, their own, if they had their own kids who went to college and have expenses trying to help their kids get through college. So the idea that, uh, you know, a $3,000 a month pension is gonna you know make somebody wealthy is is a is a farce. So I think that's something that we just have to keep talking about. Well, and so you, you kind of uh, hinted around this, but what advice do you have for veteran educators that have been there you know over the twenty years and looking you know retirement is in the future, 
what kind of advice do you have for, for, for well, that I think, type of person? I think what's happened is, in, in why we're getting some movement in these areas, is they got to speak up. I mean, your voice does matter. I mean, every every representative, every senator I talk to, talks about the number of educators they're hearing from, um, and you know this impacts all state workers. But they always reference hearing from teachers. Right. I think teachers have a powerful voice that they they need to start exercising, oh, uh, and oh. I, and I think that's that that's critical because, you know, things like. Someone who retired last year, um, many people, you know, Mr. Tinius, let's, as an example, or John Lawson, who retired last year, has a DPP here. You know, they're talking about, in the state budget, cutting their health benefit. Well, for, for an individual, that's about $500 a month. Well, you know, that's, where, where does that come from? That's six grand a year. Where, where is that coming from? It's coming from that pension they have that isn't lavish in any way. And so how are they going to make that work? How do you re- what do you recommend for for our any of our employees or any uh, teacher or educator in our area that that wants to speak out? What would you recommend them do? How you know, what would that look like? You know, I think I think it can go a lot of ways. You know, a lot of people are comfortable. You know, the old fashioned write a letter, write an email. It's it's an effective way to get in front of people. I you know, I've I've met with Jody Richards and Jim DeCessory and Michael Meredith and, and Mike Wilson and. And, and they reference that all the time. They 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 see those. Um, it is, I, I, and I understand, and, and, and they get a lot of those. Got a lot of them in the last number of months, and so they might not be able to, you know, uh, reply to everyone or give you a thorough response. But they see it. I mean, they indicate that they see these things. So I think those are important. And specifically, what? Because I've emailed mine, and I've had conversations with some of them. But I don't always know the exact words right. to say. What do I want? Right. You know, I hate, as a teacher, I hate to think, well, I want y'all to give me my pension because, my gosh, I deserved it because we're back to the same thing. We're, we're, we're followers. We don't want right. confrontation. We don't, you know, we've just been trying to live life as best we can, and now you're, you're wanting me to fight for this that you've right. already promised. So I don't know, I don't, personally, I don't always know the exact words. Right. And I think that, well, one of the things district-wide, that's why every week we're, you know, uh, Ms. McCoy is sending out a, a, you know, to keep people up to date. I mean, I think it, people have to take time. You know, it's a, it, you know, it's, it, I, I tell people all the time, I said, this is your livelihood. This is, you know, you have to take the time to understand the issues. And I know that's not always comfortable, so we try to give talking points when we can and information to people. But I, I think the number one thing you say is, look, I entered this p- profession um, with an understanding that, that there was going to be a pension for me when I retired. Um, I've made every two weeks when I've gotten paid, I've made my contribution to the pension system. I mean, when you tell people that 12.855% of their paycheck is going to the pension, and people in the public sector have no idea. There's a perception that we contribute nothing to the pension, and that it's all on the state, and, and that's just not a fact. I think the other thing you say to representatives is, you know, I'm, you know, 20 years in, 15 years in, um, you know, I'm, I've committed to the kids of, the, of our community in this state uh, to help them be successful in whatever from, from, from preschool through, through senior year. And, uh, you know, my expectation is that the state will live up to that promise, um, you know, that they made, that I would have a pension, you know, when I finished. Uh, and so, you know, why we're in this point, you know, I think the other point is, to, as, a, as an educator, as a bus driver, a cafeteria worker, whatever, is to say, I did my part. You know, 
this is the rules you set. You told me I had to contribute this much to the pension. My district sends that money every two weeks for my paycheck. Um, so, it, you know, if the state didn't do their part, if they didn't handle it the correct way, that shouldn't be on my back. And, I, and that's basically what the changes are doing. They're wanting to put more of the pain of the fix on the teachers and, and classified employees in the district uh, and, and that's just, that's not fair. You're, so a lot of the failure has been because our, our uh, budget was not handled that great by Yeah, contributions weren't made to the pension plan as it should have been. Um, you know, people making those decisions that weren't the teacher that was showing up every day to wipe noses and to, to encourage kids to, 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 you know, to be the best they can be. Uh, so in your opinion, had all the money that we contributed as teachers, if that had not been touched, not had been bothered, then we would not have our pension. Our money was getting there. The, the issue was that the state has a part of the contribution to that as well. And so for many years, that, that contribution wasn't either put in or wasn't as much as it should have been. Um, you know, there's all things from, you know, they were some of the planning as far as return on investment was a little too probably, you know, um, uh, high and so the, those adjustments now are being made the problem is they want to correct them with more expense to the district and to the employee and ultimately to the employee benefit down the road and so you know that's that's the that's the issue we face well um, one other thing I was going to ask you as well you know you mentioned earlier about the younger you know, having a kind of uh, notice in WKU and some of the colleges, and we have a low number of student teachers. And what about younger educators? Do you think, I mean, is this something they should be really concerned about, or uh, is this something that, you know, they shouldn't panic? If you really want to be a teacher, is this something you still should pr pursue and, and know that we have a lot of people that are really trying to speak for them? I mean, what would you think? Well, I, I think it's difficult. I think for people earlier in their career who are already teaching, uh, you know, I think that, you know, stay the course, uh, don't panic. Um, we're going to keep fighting and, and um, you know, this battle isn't over. I think for, for people considering the profession, um, that's a tough one. It's a tough one. Uh, you know, I can't, um, as a, it, it breaks my heart. You know, yeah. I think I have three children of my own. And, you know, if one of them came to me and said, hey, I want to be a teacher, um, you know, I've thought about that. What, what would I tell them? And, um, you know, I think it's, it's difficult. I think, once again, there's so many factors, and it's, and it's not just one thing, but how do they rationalize the expense of, of higher ed and, you know, student loans to go take a job that pays them $36,000? Um, you know, we gave a 1% raise last year. Well, 1%. I mean, if you look at the raises in the past 10 years, and most of those raises have been out of local money. The state hasn't uh, mandated or, or funded any, many of those raises. So it's, it's really difficult to, to look at a kid and say, go, you, know, go pay, you know, go become forty or fifty or $60,000 in debt and come teach for us. Uh, now the, you know, the nobleness of the profession and what you get out of it is, is immeasurable. And so um, you know, that, that's the thing I try to hold my hat on is that uh, there will be enough people that, that, that that's their mission. They're mission-minded. They want to make a difference in the world, and, um, but we can't just rely on that. That's right. that's where I think we're gonna we're gonna wake up one day. And I've tried to be 
uh, very vocal about the, the, my concern about the, the crisis in numbers. Middle school and high school, we're in trouble. We, we don't have enough applicants. Uh, so something has to change or, or we're, gonna, we're not going to have quality people teaching our kids. And then class size, I know in some of our schools it's already way more than I know you right. want it to be. So that's going to be another problem. You know, our student-to-teacher ratio is going to yeah. most likely change. And I think just the quality of the per you know, I think it's about the people. We want to be able to attract the best and brightest people who have the talents to work with kids. They understand their content, but they understand, you know, how to relate to kids and how to, how to embolden them to be successful. So, um, you know, people that can use technology, people that uh, can help kids uh, use technology. So I, I think it's, it, we're, we're, we're at a pivotal point, I think, in, in education in Kentucky. Well, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough because I, I, I think someone to the educator externship. Um, we went to U.S. Bank, myself and Ms. Stone from uh, Bollinger High School, and, and you know, you get to, to talk to people in, in other industries, they value education, they value ed educators, and they, you know, you can tell uh, without saying they really want to say their opinion about what's going on, but you know, they, they're very careful, and understandably so, I don't, they don't want to be on the wrong end, but it's tough, but uh, I agree, I think if we, um, we keep uh, putting our, our, you know, this concerns out there to the people that matter and keep voicing your opinion I think that that's one way that can help so well I think uh, we we had uh, drafted some questions and uh, doggone if he didn't just he we didn't have to answer some questions he no. just well did he, you think he, it would be anything different I you know I, I should never he doubts you underestimate right. he still doubts our you. leadership and <laughs> you know, I'll learn eventually but uh, uh, I think I think we've had a great podcast yeah. and and uh, seriously, if, if, if our listeners pay attention, you know, Mr. Fields has been very uh, astute on learning these things. And he and Leslie put out our talking notes on, on e-news. You guys should check that out. I know we're still trying to get people to look at that. Um, and, you know, th this is, well, not this is e our livelihood. We get, we get, you know, Leslie and there's, she's sending out a legislative update mm -hmm. about every week I guess maybe sometimes twice Twitter B BGISD yeah. Gary sure. Fields I mean I, I'm uh, uh, as I took on you know, I'll take on Senator Stivers and I you know I respect him he's a senator in our state but you know when he says the other day that he doesn't think the Senate in Kentucky has the stomach to raise cigarette taxes and, and uh, tax on opioid prescriptions I have a problem with that because to me that says it's easier to cut education funding than it is to raise taxes on cigarettes and opioids and if that's where we are in 2018 in Kentucky, we're in big trouble. Yeah, and someone's got to say it, and so but people have to, they have to be willing to say it with me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I agree. Well, so make sure you follow Mr. Fields on Twitter. He's, uh, I can guarantee he'll have some things on there. And, and I guess just we see things you write, we need to retweet it, quote the tweet, add our own opinions, and uh, you know it's proven that Twitter can impact. A lot of things. I know nationwide it does, sports it does. So I mean, why not? Why not make this something? Is are there any hashtags that you're aware of that that are out there that we should be following? Or? No, you know, I hate the the best ha hashtag out there is excellence is worth the effort. Absolutely. That's my favorite. Yeah, <laughs> we got a big night tonight for boys basketball and girls basketball in our region. We've got a lot of excitement See, going on. So that's right. I heard Ke Keely Vincent after the regional title for the girls uh, Saturday night. What a great win by Coach Head and the, the yeah. girls. But 
Keely Vincent. Kenny Morrow. We had a Keely. Keely Morrow said, she said, at Bowling Green High, we expect excellence. And I was like, wow, the kid gets it. She gets it. I was like, that was a great moment for me. So I think that we get to keep putting it in. And Keely Vincent would have said the same thing, too. She would have said the same thing, absolutely. She won a region here, too. She won a few regionals. So uh, Keely, it must be something about Keely's. And that's the nice thing about our district. I think the majority of the folks in our district do expect to do excellent work. And and I get to go work with a lot of people around, uh, probably more than you do, Mr. Browning. But I know you work with your teachers at your high school, and they have that – they have that – I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. Excellence is, is worth it the is. effort, and people believe that, and and uh, in large part to our, our you know our leadership. So we, we appreciate that. Well, we uh, we, we didn't get to do the Robert Lightning round. We didn't, but but we had a lot of good information. We so. did. So but, we, uh, we definitely thank you for being on our show. Last time you were here, is that, is that the Robert Lightning on the bypass round? Yeah, it's <laughs> driving kind of slow. Last time you were here, you said you're a big Timberlake fan, so I got. Uh, his, uh, his new song with Chris Stapleton, Say Something, I thought it would be kind of appropriate for the subject Listen, we're talking Mr. about. So. Mr. Fields is a big-time music fan. He, he is. You've been to a lot more concerts than I have. Yeah. You, and, and it's a variety of concerts. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey. It doesn't matter. Excellence is worth the effort in it your is. concert yeah. going, too, Mr. Martin. Well, your favorite, where's your favorite concert you've been to? Oh, all time? Yeah. Oh, you too. Really? Oh, yeah. Bono, come on. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you guys for listening, and uh, hope to hear you again. Or hope to see you again next time, right? Hopefully, we gotta get more listeners. We will after we tweet we this. All right, see you guys tweet, next time. Retweet, and thank you, First Southern National Bank, for your sponsorship. That's right. See you.